Well, howdy. Welcome to the Mental Health Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Casey Waller, a licensed therapist and writer. On this show, you can look forward to brief episodes that inform, entertain, and occasionally might even inspire. The goal is for you to know or feel or try something that makes your experience of being alive a little more alive. I tell all of my clients in therapy, what I want most for them is to be the happiest, healthiest, and safest version of themselves. I want the same for you and for me. So with that, let's get to today's episode. Confession. I'm a bit of a political junkie. I've been following politics for as long as I can remember. After voting in my first presidential election in 2000, I stayed up as late as I could, desperate to know who had won, Bush or Gore. Depending on which news channel I flipped to, the answer seemed to change. According to CNN, the race was close, but it looked like Gore had pulled it off. Jump over to Fox News, however, and it was all but certain George W. Bush would be the next president. In my naivete, I was confused. Weren't all these people covering the same election? How could they be interpreting the results so differently? Oh, sweet little 18-year-old me. Now, at age 40, I know that every news outlet has bias. For politics, that means organizations tend to either lean left or right, political conservatives or political liberals. Unlike the innocent me of 22 years ago, most of us don't struggle to identify these biases in the news and in the people around us. If I were to ask you to think of three close friends and identify a bias each one of them has, either implicit or explicit, I bet you wouldn't struggle to name them. But what if I asked you to perform this exercise on yourself? That would be harder, wouldn't it? It typically is, because while it's quite satisfying to point out the biases of others, it's rather uncomfortable to confront our own racism, sexism, or ageism. And that's saying nothing of the kind of biases that plague our mental health. These biases are called thought biases, and they can cause catastrophic damage if we fail to recognize when we're engaging in them. But simply, a thought bias is a systematic error in thinking when our brain is attempting to simplify the information it's processing. We all do this because thought biases speed things up and humans like to think fast. Not all thought biases negatively impact our mental health, though. For instance, a common thought bias is known as the halo effect. The halo effect is when our overall impression of a person influences our thoughts and feelings about a person's specific traits or characteristics. For example, if I find a particular person physically attractive, like it or not, I am more likely to unconsciously believe that person is also reliable and honest, even though I have absolutely no evidence to support that belief. And we don't just do this with people. If you followed the recent crash of the crypto exchange FTX, you might have realized how much at play the halo effect was in that scenario. FTX made a huge splash on the crypto world, inking massive ad deals with arenas and major athletes like Tom Brady. Because the overall impression of FTX was shiny, many investors assumed the particulars of its inner fundamentals must have been solid. But they weren't. They were a mess, perhaps even fraudulent. And now millions of investors, myself included, have lost tremendous amounts of money. The halo effect can lead to skewed perceptions and judgments, which is why it's so important to be aware of it in order to avoid letting it influence our thinking and our decisions. Now, when it comes to mental health, there are certain thought biases that depressed people 
are more prone to engage in than others. And what is particularly insidious about these biases is that they actually make depression worse. So I want to spend a few minutes identifying some of these and offering strategies for fighting back against them. Let's start by talking about labeling. Labeling is when you assign traits to yourself or others without considering the evidence. For example, a student might think of themselves as stupid because they forgot to do a single homework assignment, even though they have good grades and positive feedback from their teachers. I do this all the time. My entire day can be fine, but then I'll accidentally book two clients at the same time and convince myself I deserve to have my license revoked. I'll apologize profusely and spend the rest of the day thinking about my own incompetence. I will completely ignore every other good thing I did in the day, choosing instead to see myself as a moron. Can you relate? How many times have you received 10 positive comments on social media only to spend the evening stewing on the one that was negative? The next time you are tempted to apply a label to yourself, I want you to stop and ask yourself whether or not the evidence actually supports that conclusion. Our lives can never be reduced to a singular moment. Labels are good for boxes. You're not a box. You're an endlessly complicated human being that deserves an endlessly complicated and beautiful description. Okay, let's consider mind reading. This is when someone assumes that they know what another person is thinking, even when there's no evidence to support that assumption. For example, someone might think their friend hates them because they didn't respond to a text message, when in reality, the friend was just busy and forgot. When we're depressed, we tend to assume the worst, not only in ourselves, but also in others. When we're healthy, we're usually more curious about other possibilities. Maybe the friend doesn't hate you. Maybe they had a late night out and lost their phone. Been there. Or maybe they're feeling like crap too, and they just don't want to talk. Been there too. Any number of scenarios could be true. But when we're mind reading, we take the worst possible scenario and convince ourselves that it is the only scenario. Part of the reason depressed folks are vulnerable to mind reading is because when our mood is low, we tend to need more reassurance from others. If we don't get that extra reassurance, we might automatically interpret that as something negative. But this is just mind reading at play. This is why it's critical to have people in our lives who we can trust with our mood. Making assumptions about other people is generally a bad practice, but when we're depressed, it can be deadly. If you find yourself mind reading, try and remind yourself that it is literally impossible to ever know what another person is thinking unless we ask them. So we gotta ask. We gotta go to our loved ones that we trust, tell them we're down, and ask them about what they might be thinking as opposed to assuming. Remind yourself how difficult it is to even know what your own mind is thinking, much less the minds of others. Mind reading, not helpful at all. Let's talk now about overgeneralization. This is another common thought bias experienced by people with depression. Overgeneralization is when someone takes one experience and applies it to all other situations. For example, if something didn't work out once, then you might assume that nothing will ever work out. When we're depressed, we tend to think in broad strokes and we can't imagine our lives getting better or ourselves ever being happy again. Now, what I find helpful in the battle against overgeneralization is to remind myself that life, and especially human behavior, is never all that consistent. Anytime I'm tempted to think in terms of always and never, I let that be my reminder that I'm engaging in overgeneralization. In other words, 
the inconsistency of life is actually helpful in battling against the belief that tomorrow will be just like today. Now, it might be similar. You still might be down. But in life, nothing ever repeats itself exactly. That's just not how it works. We can't predict the future. Now, for a lot of people, that can be a scary thought. But when it comes to depression, that uncertainty can actually be a wonderful tonic for our souls. Tomorrow might be really hard, yes, but it will not be exactly like today because that's just not how the universe works. Allow the mystery to provide you hope. If you've ever been really depressed, you know that one of the most dangerous thoughts is thinking that tomorrow will be like today, but only worse. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day after that. My friends, that is depression talking. We never really know. We have to live the day, which is why we have to stick around to find out. Okay, last on our list is emotional reasoning. If you've ever been to therapy, you were probably told early on that thoughts are not facts. In other words, it's healthy to challenge what we think from time to time because it's easy to believe that what we are thinking is an accurate reflection of reality, but it's often not. In the same way that thoughts are not facts, feelings are not facts either. Facts and emotions are simply information. It's true that when this information is really, really loud and powerful, it can make it easy to believe that what we feel is an accurate reflection of what is happening in our life. But when we assume that everything we feel is true, we set ourselves up for unnecessary pain. For example, Let's say you walk out of an interview for a job feeling really deflated and awful because you believe you've bombed the interview. Emotional reasoning tells you that because you feel bad, that means you didn't get the job. In all reality, you may have been just fine in the interview, but your brain is taking the information that it's getting from your feelings that you didn't do good, and it's influencing how you're thinking about what happened in the interview. For all you know, you're simply experiencing a hangover from an intense anxiety buildup prior to the interview. Or perhaps you're dehydrated or hungry because you were nervous before the interview and you couldn't properly nourish yourself. Emotional reasoning cuts off your ability to consider that there are many other factors at play with respect to whether or not you did well or did not do well in the interview. Emotions are important, no doubt about it. So are our thoughts. But when we allow our emotions and our thoughts to be the only factors that influence our mood, we set ourselves up for unnecessary suffering. Okay, I could go on forever about thought biases, but we're out of time for today. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, I go into much greater detail in my book, Depression, Anxiety, and Other Things We Don't Want to Talk About. You can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it was time well spent. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And come find me online on Instagram at Ryan Casey Waller or my website, ryancaseywaller.com. See you next week. Until then, may the path you're walking be filled with curiosity, peace, and love.